having trouble breathing and you just need some cold air so you step outside your building but there's never any there when you run into your neighbor and his husband on the train and you all know that your taxes mean more to you than their pain when you're singing to your daughter as you're putting her to bed and you know one night she'll ask you about all the things he said when your insides are in trouble and there's no one left to call except the same old men who say your insides aren't yours at all when you watch a man who's walking down the side street all alone get surrounded by an angry mob that's yelling go back home when you're trapped inside for days and from your screen you hear my voice say that Ego dictate every single choice when you're listing all your reasons and know none of them with hate or fear. You try to clear your good, clean name, but no one, damn it, wants to hear. So call me a sore loser. Hello and welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Encore Magazine, Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of castalbumreviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. Everybody has uh, turned on their AC. It's uh, all, of a sudden, all of a sudden hot here in New York. and 92. Uh, yeah, when it's that weather, you know, you think that you're going to be talking about the Tony Awards. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it's, well, I hear that Charlotte St. Martin's going to make an announcement this week about the okay. Tony Awards. So right. keep your ears peeled to today on Broadway mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll uh, cover it if one actually comes, but... I feel like Lucy in the football at this point. <laughs> with us today, we have two very special guests, Lauren Marcus and Joe Iconis are with us. Joe, of course, is a uh, Broadway writer bringing us uh, shows such as Be More Chill, and Lauren is a performer who actually was in that Be More Chill thing, and we... <laughs> Uh, Michael got a chance to see Joe and Lauren perform together. Where was it, Michael? Was it at Birdland? West or? Bank, at the West Bank Cafe. It was, Bank at, West Cafe. Bank. It was yeah. at West Bank Cafe where, uh, you know, Joe and Lauren have started to do some of the first in-person performances. Uh, we'll call it the post-pandemic part of uh, 2021. Joe and Lauren, thank you so much for getting up on a Sunday morning and talking with us. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. So... Uh, I know this has been covered in so many other places, but, you know, give us the, the, uh, the short story of how the two of you met and then re-met. Ah, uh, um, well, you start, <laughs> we're in different, we're, yeah, we're in different rooms. So <laughs> you go, you go. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I'll, I'll start. So I first, I first, um, before I met Lauren, I saw her in a production of Merrily We Roll Along at NYU, uh, where she was playing Mary Flynn. And, um, you know, for the people who, who don't know that show, you know, the show, it's, it's a, the story of three friends and it's told backwards. And, um, and the first scene, 
uh, it's you know at a, at this big uh, this big party, and Mary Flynn is uh, drunk and belligerent, <laughs> and she's screaming at everyone, and she falls and she spills a drink, and uh, and that was like the first time I ever saw Lauren Marcus, and I always talk about this, but it's it was truly like a wow, who's that moment, <laughs> you know, as she was like screaming at all these people at a party, uh, drunk off her ass. It was just like a like a hard eyes <laughs> moment. So I, I immediately uh, was enamored with her, and so then I, I was just a fan, you know. I was just I saw her in shows, and I was like, oh man, this 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 actress is so great. Uh, and then, uh, and then I guess I set about trying to, to, uh, to, to collaborate with her, um, as a, as a, you know, as a writer, uh, cause I thought, I thought she was great and that turned into, uh, that turned into love, you know? So I'm, I'm a great success story for obsessed fans. So Lauren, let's get your side of the story. So, um, yeah. So I kind of knew who Joe was because I'd been hearing his name because people had started singing his music a bit. Um, And I (laughs) I feel like all these, all of these stories just sound like I had an alcohol problem, which I I swear I'm good, but (laughs) Mary Flynn does. does, Right. But what I'm about to tell, so I was 21, I was newly 21 and I was actually very, very hungover one day and I was, I was being sick and I came back. I had a message on my phone that was like, Hey, uh, Lauren Marcus, this is Joy Connors. Um, I, I want to ask you last minute if you can be in a reading of my show today, but if you don't call me back in 10 minutes, I'm going to have to ask someone else. And so I was like, Oh my God, like he, he, I'm being asked to be in a reading of his show. And I, you know, I pulled myself together. Cause when you're 21, you can do that. And <laughs> I showed up and I was in a reading of his show and that's how it began. His first, his, I did um his first move though, was I, I was doing a concert of his music at a New York theater barn, probably a month or two later. And I was um, seeing someone else at the time and Joe announced at a concert in front of like both of our families that he had a big crush on me, which was a very bold move (laughs) considering, Uh, but you know, it worked. So go big or go home. Go big, (laughs) go home. Now, uh, Little Shop of Horrors has been a very important uh, musical in both your lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I recall correctly, um, Joe saw it when he was uh, six years and five days old um, <laughs> back in 1987. We just gave away his age. And yeah. um, <clears throat> so uh, and of course, Lauren has appeared in it. So, uh, Joe, talk about uh, your Little Shop of Horrors experience when you was a wee lad. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, uh, I had seen the movie because the movie came out before uh, while the show was still running, which, which was felt very rare in the, in those days. And, um, I, uh, I went to see it and I was with my dad, uh, as you said, I was six years and five days old <laughs> and, um, and I just fell in love with it. You know, it was, and I, I, I loved the show of course, but I really fell in love with, with, musical theater with the art form. I fell in love with this, with this idea of being in a room with other people and seeing a story unfold and having people sing, uh, their, you know, their feelings. And, um, and of course, little shop was such a perfect, uh, a perfect, you know, uh, way in to the world of musical theater and, um, and was so exciting to me, you know, and I was a kid who was, I was scared of a lot of things. You know, I wasn't like a brave little kid. Um, and Little Shop is, you know, a fairly scary show. 
for for a little kid, but I, it didn't terrify me. Like there was just something about it that I thought was so so thrilling. And yeah, it just it zapped the love of of musical theater into me. You know, everyone always <laughs> talks about this, but at the end of that production, um, the Howard Ashman production of, of Little Shop, you know, vines came down from the ceiling. And I always say that, like, when the vines came down, they, like, they just, they injected me with a lifelong love of musical theater. <laughs> it's just immediately, like, this is the best thing I have ever experienced. Um, yeah. Okay, that's, I, very, that's yeah. very interesting from the vantage point that you saw the movie first, because, of course, the movie has a substantially different ending mm-hmm. from the stage show. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you wind up being disappointed or enchanted that the stage show had a different ending? So enchanted, so beyond enchanted. I remember, I remember being in Penn Station after the show um, to get the train back to Long Island with my dad, and just like not being able to stop talking about the differences between the movie and the stage show, and how my mind was just blown that that age really wow yeah yeah okay now uh in fact was your father uh interested in hearing your perceptions or did he feel oh my god will you shut up about this show (laughs) i mean (laughs) probably probably a little column a a little column b i see yeah my family in general was so supportive of my love of, of musical theater without fully understanding why (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. and i would just i would just you know i i could talk for hours about, I mean, certainly Little Shop, but then as I got older about, you know, the differences between like various cabaret cast recordings and my, my poor family. And, you know, and when I was like eight and my poor, poor family, which is like, oh, that's, you know, that, that's sweet. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't really care, but we'll, you know, pretend like we do. Joe, <laughs> do you like, have brothers and sisters? I do. I have a younger brother uh, named Phil, who is a, uh, he's a high school social studies teacher and he runs the theater program at his uh, at his school he's very very incredible i, I have a lot, of, a lot of educators in my family have you worked with him in fact uh, has he done one of your shows he okay so he's never done one of my musicals outright but i actually uh several years ago i musical directed a production of little shop of horrors oh how interesting wow he directed yeah so we've we've definitely worked together a bunch in in that kind of capacity and he's done songs of mine and reviews and stuff like that Uh uh-huh lauren little shop um you too right yeah yeah it's i actually think joe and i have a similar thing it's it's my all-time it's my all-time favorite show and as a kid it it was kind of the first show that blew my mind i had a similar thing where i saw the movie first and then when i saw the show at like a community theater production and i found out that the two main characters died i like my head exploded i didn't Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. but um i think Mm -hmm. it was the first show that kind of showed me it's like oh my god it can be like funny and scary it can do everything but i've gotten to play uh audrey twice um the first time under totally a totally weird circumstance where um there's a a a theater in sharon connecticut that I, I I worked out a ton, and I was um, actually I I did um, merrily we roll along there. Went home, went back to the show to see a, a friend opening a different show at this theater because there were shows playing in rep right while they were teching Little Shop, and um, the the woman playing Audrey had um, an, an emergency and she had to leave. And so they asked me at midnight while I was there to see a different show, if I would step in at 8 a.m. the next day to start rehearsals for Little Shop. And the show opened in like three days. Um, so, yep. Wow. Work yeah. takes as long as the time you have to do it. No question yeah, about you know it. What, though? I knew that score. I was yeah. ready. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I played it uh, with a proper amount of rehearsal time at um, in Pittsburgh last year. That and that was that was a dream to have a, a rehearsal process on it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, you mo- you both must be thrilled, as am I, that the off-Broadway production is coming back uh, yeah. with, Jer- with Jeremy Jordan, who was too about to have gone into it when everything closed mm-hmm. out for the pandemic. So I, I'm definitely planning to be there. Yeah, what, what, what is the uh, proper amount of rehearsal time for anything? Four to six months, eight months, 12 months, <laughs> R- Russian theater? You know. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, the Joe and I joke, I don't, he loves uh, a rehearsal process. It's actually not my favorite thing. Um, mm. <laughs> I love to do the show. I get too excited to do it. Um, <laughs> so three days is optimal for me, actually. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Joe, are they, uh, are you going to be uh, flying out to the West End when they're doing Be More Chill this summer? I yeah I hope so I'm trying to trying to figure it out with you know the like quarantines and everything like that but it's um yeah I'm so happy that it's that it's happening you know it's the it's this this production that we did at the other palace which was annoyingly cut short by uh by covid um and so it's just that production uh so everyone who did it there is is going to do it again and um yeah so it's 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 really exciting what, Three days of it? rehearsal. Did you call it the other palace? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, no, that's that's the name What's of the, the theater. Name? Uh, the it, yeah. In London. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were making a joke. Of, <laughs> like, you know. Well, the other palace is not open yet here in New York. Right. Right. Mm, right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> the other, the other, other palace. I mean, they're they're lifting that up like the Sunset Boulevard set. You know. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean. During this whole time of uh, of you know, the lockdown and when you guys have been at home, uh, have you written three new shows? Tell us, break news here. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I've written I've 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 written on shows that previously existed. You know, my um, at the top of of quarantine, I had sort of had March twenty twenty as this like bullseye in my calendar. For a while, because the the two years previous, I just was I, I had a really kind of insanely busy couple years with all the be more chill stuff and love and hate nation and Broadway bounty hunter. I was just kind of going from show to show. I was sort of constantly in rehearsal, uh, which was great, but it was you know it was just a lot and and didn't allow me a lot of time to actually like write stuff. And so uh, March twenty twenty was going to be the first time I wasn't in rehearsal in a long time, and I was just going to try to write. And I was like, this is when I'm going to be in my apartment and I'm going to be working on stuff. And so for the first couple months, I sort of felt like, oh, well, this was what I was going to do anyway. This was just, you know, it's just me working on deadlines and, and doing all that. And so I was able to to write a whole bunch on the, I have this musical about Hunter S. Thompson that's been in development for a while. And so I did a ton of work on that, which was great and, and some other things. And then as things kind of, you know, as we got deeper into it, that's when I started to feel uh, you know, a little bit. I, I felt the the darkness descend, and it was harder for me to actually write new stuff. Um, so there's definitely there definitely will be uh, quarantine uh, written material that will be out <laughs> out in the world. Um, but I was not as prolific as as certainly not as as prolific as Lauren Marcus, who I share a home with. Oh, she, Lauren, she what did you, stuff. Lauren, <laughs> what did you do during this whole time period? Well, I'm a I'm a writer too. I have um I have a band, and so I I've been writing music for a bit now. Um, but what I I finished up a, a couple things, but the the main one was I've been working 
for about two years on a one woman show about um, I have alopecia and all of my hair fell out when I was 31. And so it's a one woman show about that experience. (laughs) Um, So that uh, finishing that up was huge. I'd started it probably about like nine months before the pandemic, but I finally had the time to sit down and do that. So that was the Mm -hmm. big one. Mm-hmm. Well, Lauren and Joe were very instrumental, as I mentioned before, in in um, in preserving, uh, you know, uh, the West Bank Cafe, because like so many places, it was in danger of closing completely. But uh, Tom Dangora and, and Michael Dangora uh, put together a huge fundraiser uh, and Joe and Lauren were very instrumental in it and they uh, they seem to have saved it. So um so uh, thank you both for that. And it's, it's been wonderful to hear you both perform there uh, on several occasions. Yeah, that's been so funny. We keep, um, we, we've been doing these gigs that are truly just covers, no songs written by us. And it's really unusual. We've never done it before. Uh, yes. Um, yes. And it's, uh, it was like kind of started out as just purely just like making music in a place we love. And also selfishly, we want to hang out at the West bank, you know, <laughs> right, exactly. And and um, recent news, uh, Joe is going to be the first show uh, back at 54 Below. <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe with uh, with George Salazar, who, of course, was the breakout star of Be More Chill. And then uh, so that's on the 17th, June 17th at 7 p.m. And then on the 18th at 945, uh, we get Lauren in her. Oh, yeah. Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Joe Salazar, speaking of him, um, Joe, um, were you ever Michael in the bathroom or did you know a friend who was essentially Michael in the bathroom? What Mm -hmm. actually um, gave you the idea for that song? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that I certainly I certainly have had many Michael in the bathroom moments Mm -hmm. in my life, Mm -hmm. um, both as a both as a, a high schooler and as a fully grown adult male. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that I think that I was certainly drawing off um you know drawing off personal experiences. I just it was one of those things where it's it's you know obviously Be More Chill is based on a on a book and uh there is this there is a scene in the book that that is like the scene in the show that takes place in the bathroom but it's it's not it's not as it's not a moment in the way that it is in the show. Right. And I you know when I read it it just it just you know pinged me and I just sort of had this thought of of oh what you know what happens if this kid is left alone in the the bathroom deserted by his friend and mm-hmm. and wouldn't it be you know surprising to get this this massive song for uh the sort of character who doesn't typically get a song like that and you know be more chill at its heart is kind of about celebrating these you know people who feel like misfits people who feel other and it, and it was kind of like oh what better way to do that than to give this this huge song to the the sidekick character you know and so and so um yeah and so it, and so I, and when i when i had the idea i really thought like i i feel other I bet other people have felt like this. I bet this oh, isn't just yeah. me. I bet it's not solely me oh, who is yeah. who is you know locked himself away in a bathroom to to avoid a, a social mm-hmm. situation of any kind. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. and then it's been uh, it's been really incredible to see that that I was you know I I, I wasn't so far off in that. In that I did that at our wedding. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah, it was a little overwhelming, you know. <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson. Whoa, is this a musical version of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, or is it a biography musical? What? It's a, so it's more of a biography musical. Um, 
I mean, it, it, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is is featured in the show, but uh, it's definitely it's um yeah it's like a you know it's a historical uh, historical musical. It's um it's definitely uh, you know there's it. I wouldn't say that it's like Hamilton, but if if you know if musical theater was a you know it was like a high school um, if if yeah if musical theater was a high school Hamilton would be like the class president and my Hunter S. Thompson musical would be like the bad kid who's throwing stink bombs into science class. And so it's, <laughs> I, it's, I can yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, um, of course he had a lot of famous friends like Johnny Depp. Um, is he a character in the show? Uh, Johnny Depp makes a little drive by appearance in the show. The, the show is pretty wild. You know, it's about, it's about uh, a lot, a lot about what was going on in America in the sixties and seventies and, and sort of uses Hunter S. Thompson as kind of a, a tour guide through these, these kind of, you know, major social uh, and political shifts, but it's, uh, it, it really, it kind of bops around in time. And so, yeah, we get a little Johnny Depp, we get a little George McGovern, a lot of Richard Nixon. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. So as a result, um, is there any part of you that wished you were around at that time? Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I specifically, I'm just really enamored with New York city in the, in the, the sixties and seventies, and I guess. Uh, and I always, I always wish that I always wish that I was, was around then, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just do. <laughs> I also, I mean, I just like a lot of things in the culture and I mean, even the forties and fifties. And I also just think the way, you know, my, as a, as a songwriter, um, but Lauren and I always talk about this, well, you know, we'll see old movies or something and we'll just be like, oh gosh, if we would have, you know, we were born 50 years too late. (laughs) We, you know, like, you know, being at a, being at a party and sitting down at the piano and, and, you know, playing someone your songs, which I guess we still, we still do today, but I don't know. There's just something that it feels it feels like we we relate to to the the culture of of yesteryear in a way that uh, that makes us yeah nostalgic. Well, a lot of people of your generation won't watch black and white movies. Will you? Of course. Okay. We watched them yesterday. <laughs> what was it? Actually, though, I feel like they made it. It didn't need to be black and white. It was, but we watched Lenny. Yeah, Lenny's a good movie. Yeah, yeah and great. very different from the stage show. Very different. Yeah, yeah, we were curious actually. <laughs> hey, Joe. One of our listeners is asking. Cheryl Hodges Selden asked, uh, "Was Joe surprised by the Michael in the Bathroom parody at the Tonys?" Um, I, I was surprised. Yes, that remains that remains one of the more one of surprising the more, surprised su- surprising surprises of my life. Just because you know we wanted to, it's all of that stuff is so it's so silly. But we wanted to, you know we wanted to do that song on on the Tonys, and you know we weren't nominated for uh, for anything except me, and and so you know it wasn't like it's not it's not our right, you know it's not a show's like God given right to do whatever the hell they want on the Tony Awards. But we, you know, we really, I, I really thought that if George Salazar sang that song on the Tonys, it, it would have been a really nice moment uh, for the Tony Awards and certainly for our for our show. And I, you know, when I just think of you know, as a kid, I was obsessed with the Tony Awards as I, you know, as I loved theater and and I would, you know, tape them and and obsess over 
over performances and you know and and I know that kids still do that and and you know and adults still do that and I just I I thought it would be really nice to have George Salazar singing that song uh as part of the kind of you know history of that award show and I, and I think it would have held up his performance of that song would have held up real well with with other performances of the last um you know however many years certainly in the last few years um, and so, and they said no, which is totally fine. Uh, but then it was kind of surprising to see a parody version of the song instead of just the song. And, yeah. it's like, and it was, I thought it was really done well. You know, it's like it was, it, the, I thought the lyrics were great and I really appreciated that they, they rhymed for real. And, you know, all of those, the fancy people in it were like so, so wonderful and they were all so kind. Um, but I, I did have the sense of like, was, is anyone going to find this funny if they don't know the song? It was just so, everything about mm. it was so strange. And the fact that I did not know until I was watching it in, yeah. in Radio City was the weirdest thing that has ever, ever happened. I don't even know how, I don't know how, I don't know how that was, that the people were able to like put that song together without me hearing through the grapevine. It's the yeah. strangest thing that has ever happened. Yeah. Keeping a secret on on Broadway is like impossible. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, and everyone tells me every. I feel like I hear when someone when someone like you know like like talks about me in an elevator. I feel like it gets back to me, and so the fact that like <laughs> like Sarah Bareilles was like singing a Michael in the Bathroom parody on the Tony Awards. It's just it's so weird. Yeah, but yeah, it happened. Very strange. Speaking further of George, I don't know if uh, either of you guys saw it, but last night he participated in. Um, Seth Radetzky did a Stars in the House uh, for Godspell uh, 50th anniversary. And it was so wonderful because most of the people were people involved with the original production or or way back in the day, uh, like Peggy Gordon and Don Scardino and uh, um, uh, et cetera. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they but they got George. Because he, of course, he was in the Broadway revival, and they—I guess—they wanted someone to represent from that. So he was—you could tell how thrilled he was to be there with Stephen Schwartz and and uh, and Don Scardino and Peggy Gordon and the rest of them. It was oh, really yeah. wonderful. Yeah. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something that only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone's online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know that there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part about it is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address that's shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, a phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business... Secure yourself with the number one rated VPN in the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio 
and get three extra months for free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash broadway radio go to expressvpn.com slash broadway radio to learn more and thanks so much to expressvpn for continuing to support broadway radio lauren um we we've talked about michael in the bathroom let's talk about what it really cost you which is your song oh yeah, um, that actually is a song that is 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 featured in the show I was talking about. Uh, oh no, no, that's a different song. Sorry, what it really cost you? <laughs> Woo, my brain. What um? You got a million of them. Different yeah. serious topic. Uh, no, yeah. So what it really cost you is a tune I wrote. Um, well, I originally wrote the day after the election. Uh, the first time Trump. Uh, well, the only time that Trump was the only time. Yeah, yeah, came into the office time, and. Yeah. <laughs> It was just like my immediate reaction the day after. And I've kind of added um, a verse on whenever I see fit, when there's a, an issue that really sort of upset me. Uh, but it, it's it's sort of a it, it's a political protest song um, that I haven't uh, <laughs> I haven't had to sing in the last few months, which has uh-huh. been um, really uh-huh. nice, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really proud of that tune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good enough. <laughs> uh, uh, Joe, we've uh, seen so many of your shows with your uh, Joe Connison family, the uh, mm-hmm. various different uh, performances that you've done with it. Give us a little history on, on how the, f- the family aspect of it started and, uh, and uh, when are we going to next see you guys? Is, uh, do we have a Christmas thing coming up at 54? <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I certainly hope so. I think everyone is everyone is trying to figure out the new rules and and guidelines and um, and yeah. I mean, my my Christmas show is impossibly large, and I you know I don't I don't want to do it unless I can unless we can do it for real. You know, I don't want to do a a sort of scaled down uh, version of the the show. Um, and so and I, I think it's just going to be about what's going to be allowed. In, in spaces and when it's going to be allowed. So definitely want to do a Christmas show and uh, crossing crossing fingers and everything um, to to hope that it happens. But as far as the the family goes, you know, it really it, it's it happened very organically. And and when I first was kind of you know out in the business, I I I started doing um, I started doing these concerts just because I had a musical that was in development at a very fancy nonprofit theater. And it became clear to me that, oh, the, you know, my thought that I was going to graduate from, from school uh, and have this musical at this theater and it was going to, you know, open in a year off Broadway and then go to Broadway and, and my whole life would be set. That's not going to happen. You know, it's like the, the process is going to be a little bit more uh, prolonged than that. And so I, I felt like I'm writing these songs. I, I want to perform them on a stage. I don't want to write just for mm-hmm. myself. And so I, um, I started doing these these concerts and I, I wanted to do concerts that felt like um, that felt like the the concerts were the thing you know at the time when I started doing them I felt like a lot of the new musical theater concerts that I was seeing felt kind of like recitals or it sort of felt like oh this 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 writer is is organizing this concert because you know he or she wants to invite like Disney to come to the concert and like hopefully get a get a job or something you know it felt like auditions it's like no i wanted to like put on a show like a like a sort of classic uh cabaret show and and i wanted to do something that felt in between a, a cabaret show and a, and a rock concert 
And so that's what I started doing. And, and as far as the people that I was performing with, they were just actors or musicians or whoever is who I, who I was a fan of and who I loved. And, you know, as I would do a reading, there would be, you know, a person or two who I would click with and I would just ask if they wanted to, you know, perform in these, these concerts. And we sort of started, it, it became this kind of, um, this, this, this kind of, uh, you know, sort of large, you know, collaborative entity. And so, uh, I, I named it the family after a while, um, for a few reasons, one of which was that, you know, I always, you always see like, you know, uh, the name of the writer and friends, mm. uh, on concerts. And I always, I always look at those things and I think those people aren't your friends. There's not, you don't, you don't <laughs> like, you're not hanging out with like Kelly O'Hara and Adam Pascal, whoever, you know, it's like, you're not, they're just there. And so, and so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of like go one step further and, you know, and say, you know, Joe Iconis and family, like it's, you know, really <laughs> making a point of it. Uh, and I also, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's a little, uh, it sounds, it sounds a little uh, pretentious, which I, which I like, you know, I feel like sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of pretension in musical theater and, and uh, it also kind of sounds like a cult to me. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, and so, yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of stuck. And the, the joke is that the people who I perform with, you know, for, for the most part, they, they are my friends. <laughs> they are my, you know, my, <laughs> my, my closest friends. Um, and I, and I, I really love that. You know, it's just something that I, I want to, I want to be, uh, to have a connection with the, the human beings that I'm, that I'm making art with, you know, it's just the way that I, that I like to, to work. So, yeah. Uh, I'm a little curious about something you said earlier when you were talking about which cabaret recording is the best or your favorite or what have you. <laughs> um, what is, and has your opinion changed over the years? <laughs> um, well, sure. So I, I really do. I love the, I love the revival. Um, the revival production. I love that the revival, the, I mean the, the, um, the Sam Mendes, uh, revival. Yeah, we know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alan um, Cumming. Well, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Alan Cumming. I just, I just love it. I love that version of the show. I think it's the most perfect version of the show. Um, and so that, that cast recording actually is my favorite, but that, that did replace the, the, the original, the, the original, uh, cast recording was just, you know, cause that was the one that I, that I first fell in love with. And if um, if you go to the West End to see Be More Chill, you'll be able you be able yeah, to see right. a production of Cabaret yeah, right. over yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm so excited about it. But I, you know, I'm I I'm so Cabaret. The 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 Mendes uh, Cabaret was was one that I I was so obsessed with that production, and I was in um I was in I was at NYU as that was running and I would just volunteer usher at, at roundabout all the time. And so I saw that production, you know, maybe 30, 35 times. And I, I, I know it, I know it so well. And so that was, that was at the space above 54 below, right? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. 54 above. Yeah. 54 above. Yeah. There it is. Um, but I, I just, I know it so well. And when the, you know, the revival of that revival came out a couple mm-hmm. years ago, um, and you know, I, I saw it, it was so hilarious because I, 
I, as I was watching it, I felt like, oh, I could, I could be the associate director of the show just mm-hmm. from seeing it so many times mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. I literally know every single entrance. I know the dances. Mm-hmm. I know, I, you know, it was like, I, I just, I know it so well. And so I am nervous to see another production of, of, I have seen other productions of Cabaret and I'm just, I'm the worst. I'm the, the ultimate nightmare audience member because uh, any, anytime <laughs> anything happens, it's just, I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's pretty good but it's not how they did it in the mendes revival uh-huh, so uh-huh. we'll see how we'll see how this british one stacks up mm-hmm. but i am excited that's like me and starlet express yeah. <laughs> so uh ha- so everybody needs a cheerleader in their life uh and uh, and the two of you have a cheerleader in your life and i want to know how you met her this jennifer ashley tepper girl she's so annoying how did you get, <laughs> how did how did you get so lucky to hook up with her and we we adore her we've had her on many times at broadway radio um well she uh you know she like she just kind of she just kind of exploded into my life <laughs> years ago. and she we and really um she she i think she, she a demo of mine uh crossed her desk when she was interning at the york and I think she she just liked, you know, she liked my stuff a lot. And she just started coming to see concerts of mine. And then I was first, like, made aware of her existence because she wrote she wrote a, a, a senior uh, paper or thesis or something um, at NYU on, I have this song uh, called Helen. Uh, and she wrote this, this really smart uh, paper on it. And she sent it to me. And I was, uh, you know, kind of amazed that someone who was not me uh, had this sort of deep understanding of, of this song. And uh, and then she came to a show at the Beach Man and, you know, introduced herself. And she was like, I'm that, you know, I'm that person who wrote that that paper on on Helen. And that was kind of it. And we became friends. And um, and she's just been, you know, since we since we talked for the first time at the Beach Man, I've just never had a moment of my life that Jen Tepper hasn't been in it and it's been cool as our you know relationship has grown from you know uh you know mutual admirers and 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 friends to uh collaborators you know and she's she's produced so much of my work and she produces you know the concerts that we do where there's a zero dollar budget and we're you know performing in basements and she's produced the, the you know be more chill on broadway and and uh i'm so I'm so grateful that she's she's in my life. But yeah, a, a, an amazing an amazing uh, cheerleader and a really brilliant uh, person and uh, and someone who is who is uh, aggressively optimistic and and fiercely loyal. So I also have to tag on. I wanted to make sure this was right. I cannot believe I just found this. I have a Facebook message from 2005. The first time I ever talked to Jen Tepper was right after she saw that production of Merrily We Roll Along at NYU. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's of course. Looking, yeah, her favorite I'm looking musical, at the yeah. message. <laughs> it's the sweetest message, like, in the world. It's so it's going back that far that she has been uh, <laughs> truly, like, uh, the biggest supporter <laughs> of all time. That's crazy. <laughs> I haven't seen that in since 2005. Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's wonderful. And then yeah. you did the Jonathan Larson project at 54 Below, Lauren. Yeah. I mean, that, th- oh God, that was truly one of the best uh, experiences of my life. And, you know, it just, it wouldn't have happened without Jen. She was going to, um, my man, what, what library was it in DC? 
It was the Library of Congress. Right. It's a it's like a pretty big yeah. library. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, right, <laughs> I've heard right, good right. things. Okay. <laughs> um, so, 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 Got I good reviews on Facebook. Yeah. So 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 scared I'd say the wrong one. But she would go like every weekend to do research on Jonathan and discovered all these songs that he'd written that no one's heard except for probably like three people um and putting together this show and um being asked to be a part of it was like such a giant honor. She, you know, after she put years of her life into making this show happen. Um, And I, I mean, the music is absolutely, absolutely incredible. But what was so um, personally cool for me is that I, you know, I, I I know rent, I knew rent like everyone else, but that's um, a show I've never really been able to see myself in. Cause I'm not, I'm not like a rock singer. And so I've enjoyed it for what it was. I, I did not realize there was a whole world of material he'd written. That is, he he did rock, he did rent, but like everything else you can imagine, every genre. And um, uh, it was just incredible. Well, I know that we, I've spoken with her and I know she, uh, I believe that there's not yet, uh, it's not available to do Superbia. Uh, but I think I think that's a I think that's maybe a dream of hers. But you must have done songs from it in that show, right? Um, I don't think we did actually. Or maybe, well, maybe they could. Maybe she couldn't even get the maybe rights to do something. But um, that the album is available on Spotify. Uh, we did some mm-hmm. we did some crazy some crazy tunes. Uh, but um. Yeah, I, I, w- I would check it out. And it, it was amazing because his family was around and his friends and we just got to talk about him and learn about him. Yeah. Lauren, you did uh, you did the humans at the rep in St. Louis. I did. Uh, yeah. And uh, that had a, uh, an interesting uh, path on Broadway here, off Broadway, then to Broadway, then to winning huge awards and everything. Right. Uh, did um, uh, what was it like in your process of looking at that after so much uh, so much success here in New York? Did you? Did everybody try to reinvent the wheel at the rep, or did, uh, or did they stage it uh, similarly to how it was staged in New York? It was fairly faithful to um, the production, to the New York production. I mean, we definitely some of the actors were very different, and everyone had their own take on it. Sure, but yeah. the big, the big, the big thing for everyone is the end. You either love it or you mm-hmm. hate it. Like. Um, and we just made sure that we were all on the same page about what we as a cast thought the ending was, which I don't I don't really think we put the New York um, into consideration. I mean, of course, into consideration, but we 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 had our own take on the end, I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and uh, other than that, you know, it, it it's just Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> duplex <laughs> so we were pretty faithful to that is what i will say yeah that's the, the humans is one of those shows i feel like where you 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 kind of can only do so much you know it's yeah, one of those shows yeah. where it's like the show just sort of is what it is and i i mean and i'm sure there's going to be some you know avant-garde production of the humans like starring starring cats that's going to be really thrilling but well i I was thinking it could be you know uh a a split stage with the humans on the right and be more chill on the left and michael in the bathroom can happen at the same time you know (laughs) oh you know what i am remembering i don't know if this is controversial they did have um (laughs) someone who was working in the wings 
uh, kind of they cloaked them in robes and had them pushing across a grocery cart at the end, kind of behind a window. I don't recall that from the New York production. No, I don't recall it. So, I guess that was our big departure then. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was a whole extra salary on Broadway. They weren't willing to do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And we could get away with that in St. Louis, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you guys got on the uh, calendar? Uh, we were, uh, uh, Peter, Michael, and I were talking before uh, everybody got on, and uh, I, we were just talking about how uh, I commented that it seems that everybody has just decided COVID was over and we're getting back to it. Uh, so <laughs> regardless of, you know, what what's happening, but it seems like New York is maskless now and... Uh, and we're moving full steam ahead. What's your, would do you guys have anything on the agenda, on the plans? I mean, possibly going to the West End to see the show, but anything else? Um, yeah, you know, we, we have, uh, we've got all these shows at, <clears throat> at 54. So it seems like it's going to be a, mm-hmm. a summer of 54 below. We're going to go, um, we're going to do a couple weeks at Two River out in Jersey. Oh, good. I was going to ask you about Two River, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which hasn't officially been announced yet. But we're going to do some concerts out there, um, some outdoor stuff. And uh, yeah, and then a few other potential things that we can't fully talk about. But there's some, yeah, some some musical theater surprises. In the works. Yeah, for sure. So this is quite an association with Two River. I mean, it, it, it's been built, very building block uh, of your career. So um, how did that start? Did you know um, John Diaz uh, socially or what happened? I No, I didn't. You know, my my relationship with Two River started because they uh, they 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 do these, um, you know, kind of cabaret nights and they and they have an, a, a strong association with the NYU graduate musical theater writing program. And so they did this cabaret night of NYU graduate musical theater writing uh, alums uh, and current students, I guess. And uh, and Sarah Schlesinger, who runs the NYU program, mm-hmm. uh, who's also an amazing writer who wrote mm-hmm. Ballad of Little Joe and In This mm-hmm. House and many other things. She uh, Sarah asked if I would uh, come and, and do a song. And I uh, I did, and and so I did. Uh, I I went with Jason Sweetooth Williams, and and he performed uh, that song Helen that I was talking about that um, that that Jen Tepper wrote a paper on. Uh, and so we did we did Helen, and uh, the theater just they they just loved it a lot. And John Diaz uh, really dug it, and and he said, oh, I, you know, I, I really I I like what you're what you're doing, and I, I like your work, and maybe we can find something to work on one day. And so when Be More Chill. Uh, came around, my agent at the time said, let's see if Two River would be interested in commissioning you to write this musical. And they did. And it was really as simple as that. It was just, you know, it was the, the John and the people at the theater just, you know, they, they connected with what I was doing and, and, uh, and that's how it, that's how it started. And they've been so wonderful. They've been so supportive and, uh, and really just, uh, great. They've been kind of a dream theater to work with for all these years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren, how about your? Uh, you mentioned that you're working with your band. Anything coming up with the band we should know yeah, about? So I, I have uh, my gig at 54 on June 18th at 9:45 p.m. and this will be our first live gig back. We did one um, during the pandemic down at Rockwood Music Hall where everyone wore masks and there was no audience, so that was bizarre. But <laughs> <laughs> I was excited to have an audience. Um, the shows with Joe. I'm doing um a couple readings and i'm so excited to do my first reading of a show that will not be zoom 
mm-hmm. <laughs> those are mm-hmm. you know those were fun i guess in their own way uh but um that that those are the main things right now just some writing projects yeah Great. Well, we uh, really appreciate you joining us on a Sunday morning on Broadway Radio. Uh, you know, if you do end up uh, going over to the West End and checking out Cabaret and everything else, we we want you to come back on and give us a full report of what's going on in the West oh, yeah. End. <laughs> yes. We'll do our West, our West End reviews. <laughs> Absolutely. The West End reviews would be great. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us. Just ignoring all our history Memories get erased Then I'll get replaced With a newer, cooler version of me And I hear a drunk girl Sing along to Whitney through the door How would it dance with somebody? And my feelings sink Cause it makes me think Now there's no one to make fun of Drunk girls with anymore Michael okay, so Peter, you Michael saw the Housewives of Secaucus. Did, did, did we talk about this briefly last week or the week before? I, I can't recall if you met, you mentioned that you were seeing it. Yeah, that was the extent of it. Um, and so uh, I did go. Yeah, this is um, a show where um, a number of men play a number of housewives um, in the aforementioned Secaucus. And it's one of those shows where the people are very good and the writing isn't nearly as sharp, I'm sorry to say. Anthony Wilkinson was the writer. He directed it, too. And he's won three Emmys, so um, he's he's no slouch. But I have to say that um, it's one of those shows that you really wish the writing were sharper. And I don't believe that I'm the only one who felt this way because the audience um, rarely chuckled, let alone laughed. But I have to give credit to Philip McLeod, Ryan Stutz, Cameron Bates, Jacob, P.S. Lemons, and Sam Brackley because they were really, really good in these roles. And um, I was very impressed to see them doing so well and not going over the top. That's something that you might expect from um, the Housewives of Secaucus. But as much as I uh, have to say that I didn't like the writing, I have to give credit to Anthony Wilkinson for directing it and not making it um, just a slam bang farce in the worst sense of the word. So uh, under those circumstances, um, if you want to see some good performances, but don't expect to laugh very much, um, it's at the Actors Temple. And that's where it shall stay for a while, I am told. So that's uh, one show. I saw. And the other one I saw was the play that Michael saw a couple of weeks ago called Lilies, uh, which takes place both in 1952 and in 1912, as a man who has been uh, finally released from prison uh, meets um, a man who was very instrumental in in getting him there, so it seems. So the thing is that um, I was taken out of the action when I heard the expression uh, piss me off um, because um, I don't think that was an expression that was used either in 1912 or 1952. And to be fair, it was in the 52 section. But um, but nevertheless, this is another one where I thought well, the acting was uh, quite good and I didn't uh, really like the play, which I thought meandered here and there. Um, it, it, it does deal with um, a gay situation, how difficult it was to be gay in 1912, which um, certainly um, nobody can deny. So, um, but... Um, 
the bishop, um, I thought, was uh, had the right uh, gravitas for the role. Um, uh, that's Mark Verzatz. Um, I, I liked um, he doesn't have all that much to do. He, he's basically a spectator in the audience for much of the play uh, because it's um, a reenactment. That's what our, our um, hero or antihero, depending how you look at it, J.J. Miller does. I, I, I have to say um, there was a pretentious moment of direction. There's, there's a scene where a man is taking a bath. And um, so they take out a bathtub, a very nice bathtub, in fact, uh, very stylish. And suddenly everybody from the cast comes out and pours water into the bathtub, just a little. Um, they all have the same identical bucket. So they pour a little water and the guy gets in and, um, and you know, he gets a little wet. And <laughs> there's a next scene where he's going to have to deal with dirt and, his, and the dirt sticks to his hand. I don't know why you need the water. I think, you know, we understand that if somebody's in the bathtub, there's water in the tub. So um, I found that a little uh, pretentious. But um, uh, there is full frontal nudity, by the way. Um, uh, I should mention that for people who want to see that or want to avoid that. Um, but uh, that that does happen in the play. Um, ironically enough, uh, 11 members in the cast, which is a great number for an off-Broadway show, but um, there is drag in this one too. Um, two of the people in the show uh, who are meant to be women are played by men. And I frankly didn't see any real reason for it. I have to say that Bill Morton, uh, who plays a countess, reminded me a great deal of Peter Bartlett and um, a great deal. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the thing I, 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 I have to say, I, I imagine many of our listeners don't know Peter Bartlett, and uh, I'm sorry they don't, but because um, he's a very, very fine comedian. He really knows how to deliver lines. And this really seemed to me uh, an imitation. And, you know, it's funny when somebody invents something, I'm talking about an inventor now like Edison or, you know, um, Robert Fulton, you know, people like that. They have a patent. And as a result, nobody can steal the invention. And in a way, I think that actors should have patents, too, that um, that they should once they define something um, and have their own character and their own take on something that they should be able to patent it. I mean, when I listen to the um, revival cast album, The Man of La Mancha, and I hear, hear Ernie Sabella in the song, um, I like him. He does what seems to me a Jason Alexander imitation. And, you know, Jason Alexander has a definite style of the way he delivers lines and all that, and he should patent it. There should be a way of doing that. So so I, I felt bad uh, seeing that happen. But anyway, so I'm afraid that neither one of these shows really rang my chimes. But nevertheless, I was impressed by the acting in both. So at least that this, by the way, is at the theater center in the theater where the Fantastics played for a long, long time. So uh, that's where it is. Um, should you care to find it and see some fine acting? Um, but all things considered, um, I'm, I'm sorry to say that Lily's uh, was not a play that I really uh, responded to in the way that um, um, anybody connected with it would have hoped. Okay, so uh, let's move forward into trivia. Peter, do you have an answer to last week's trivia? Yeah, I said all these songs uh, were bona fide pop hits, you know, songs that everybody knew at the time. Getting to know you, I've grown accustomed to her face, standing on the corner, I enjoy being a girl, a lot of living to do, I believe in you, I'll never fall in love again, send in the clowns. Um, what do they have in common? Well, the, the thing was in common, even though they were the hit songs, the hit songs, um, none of them appeared in the show's overtures. For those who might say, wait a minute, Little Night Music doesn't have an overture. Sondheim insists it does. All that vocalizing at the beginning serves as one. Mm. Uh, Tony Janicki resumed his first place perch after his humiliating third place <laughs> finish of the week before, followed by Jack Leshner, Brigadude, Fred Abramowitz, and Ingrid Gammerman. This week's question. 
The subject was roses, which eventually won a Tony and a Pulitzer Prize, opened 67 years ago this week. It was so late in the 63-64 seasons that it didn't make the best plays book that year, but was carried over to the next year. This had never happened with any other play or musical. What also happened with the subject was roses that has never happened with any other play or musical is that it ran 832 performances. And yet the subject was roses also has one more distinction that no other Broadway play or musical has ever, ever had. What is it? Okay. If you have an answer to that, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So, Michael, tell us, uh, in the musical moment, we're going to talk about the smartphone hour. What is interesting to you about the smartphone hour? <laughs> well, there are so many things we could have picked from Joe Iconis's oeuvre, but I always thought that this was one of his cleverest creations because it's a song from Be More Chill called The Smartphone Hour, uh, parentheses, Rich Set of Fire. Uh, and if you know the plot, then you know what that means. If you don't, let's just say that a lot happens in the plot of being <laughs> chill. <laughs> a lot of gonzo things happen. Um, but what I think is so wonderful about it is that, uh, to me, it's, it, I guess, an obvious update, uh, sort of comment on the telephone hour from Bye Bye Birdie and, and just... Um, uh, the way that modern day teenagers would uh, gossip about uh, goings on among among their their group, uh, and it's interesting to hear it and, and and see what's the same and what's different in in the two songs in terms of both the way that they're written and and the uh, the the, the way that the, the communication that the teens use and the, the language, of course, that they use, you know, because we're talking uh, uh, Bye Bye Birdie was 1960, correct? Mm -hmm. And and the first production to Be More Chill was in 2015. Uh, there are two recordings, two cast albums of Be More Chill. Uh, the 2015 recording is uh, from is the uh, Two River Theater cast, which we were discussing earlier, and that was the recording that caused um, the, the this score to become a viral sensation, particularly the song uh, "Michael in the Bathroom," which, by the way, we will include in the show notes a, a really excellent video of George Salazar um, recording that song uh, for the for the Broadway cast album but also interspersed with a live performance so you can see that um in the show notes um so there's that recording and then there's a two cd uh, cast recording of the broadway production both are on ghost light records and uh the the track that we're going to uh, use as our musical moment is from the broadway cast of this really really clever song called the smartphone hour i just i hope you'll enjoy it it's 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 um tremendously enjoyable in the context of the show and i think out as well uh so i, I do hope you enjoy it all right so that wraps it up for this week so on behalf of michael portantier and peter felicia this is james marino saying thanks so much for listening to broadway radios this week on broadway bye-bye Bye. Bye. Right, but he was hot, so you can't blame the things he did on pot. It's just so.
it's just my autocorrect. Always be aware of autocorrect.